Welcome to another episode of Mick and Ori's Classic Cars. I'm Mick. And I'm Ori. And in this episode, it is a very special one. We've got a car that is very rare and very special. It's a Ferrari 348 GTC. What is a 348 GTC? We have its owner here, Darren, as well. Ori. I'm excited, Mick. I tell you, when this this is a rare, rare car in the world of Ferrari, in the world of modern Ferraris. It is a competizione. The last competizione it was made was the 275, and I think they made 10 examples of those. This is 50 examples in the world. And, and we've got one here in Australia, in Adelaide, South Australia. I've seen it in the flesh. It is a beautiful looking car. It is not a normal 348. So welcome to the show, Darren. Darren is the owner of this lovely 348 GTC, together with the 360 Modena that we love. And it's a gated, gated shifter. shifter. It's one of yeah. our favourites. So Darren... Tell us about the beginnings of this 348 GTC. First of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Years ago, oh gosh, when did I buy it? I bought it in 2009. So around about 2008, late 2008, early 2009, I decided that I was finally going to realise a dream and buy a Ferrari. So at the time, I had a young family and I was thinking, what sort of Ferrari should I get? And I started to look mainly at 456 GTs, which I think you know. One of my favourites. So I was sort of going, look, I think maybe a four-seater Ferrari is the right way to go. The young family can enjoy it as well. It might be just me being selfish and looking after my own desires, so to speak. And I started looking around and, and I saw a few and I thought, you know, that they sort of fit the price range. But there was something not quite right with, you know, I had this, I've had this lifelong ambition to own a Ferrari and love for Ferrari cars. I became a mechanical engineer because of Ferrari. It's a whole... You know, it's a very bizarre sort of thing. From 11 years old, it's been my dream to either work or work for Ferrari or own a Ferrari, right? So looking at the 456s and the Mondiales and, and the like, I thought, well, look, they're beautiful cars and they will do the job, but they still don't quite resonate for me for the way in which I fell in love with the brand, which is obviously Formula One and racing, sports cars back in the day. So I, I, I kept looking to try and find a car that resonated more strongly with that part of the heritage of Ferrari. And when you say you were looking, Darren, were you looking just in Adelaide or South Australia or Australia? What, did I, you look- I, I was certainly looking in Australia, but I, I was casting my net a bit wider. And I've got to say that I was focusing on the UK. Um, I, the exchange rate at that time was about right. Um, there was because I was looking at older cars that worked, if you know what I mean, in relation to both exchange rates and also the cost of actually importation and then getting compliance and, and the like. And I did all of the numbers, and I'd, I'd been playing with the idea of doing it for years and years, so I kind of understood what all the numbers meant, which you need to because there's plenty of traps for young players, which we could talk about as well. So that in '09 is when you started looking, or when you purchased this car. So you started yep. looking a few years before that. Yeah, oh seven, oh eight. I guess I was really looking seriously. And was it only the four, five, six because of the family, or was there something else in the Ferrari range road car that you thought Gee, I need to own one of these? Oh look, I mean, gosh, if we talk about cars that I, I wanted to own, I mean, the Lusso sort of resonates amazingly for me. Even the two, four, six Dino was a car that that I lusted after. But I think particularly the Lusso. I remember at the time, a few years before that, I saw one uh, for sale and I inquired on it. And, you know, when I think about the money that was being asked for it back then, this would have been early to early noughties. Oh, I, I can almost 
you know. Cry. You c- Is that one? You that's cry. another one we let get away. And, like, look, and there's, a, there's a litany of them. There was also a 410 Super American. You've got no idea how cheap this thing was. Unbelievable. And uh, again, I, I, I decided at the time, it was just a little tiny bit out of my range. Uh, but knowing what I know now, or what we all know now about the prices of those cars, I mean, I, gee whiz, I would have sold mum and, and, <laughs> and got did, it. Yeah, done, done my best to actually get it. So look, so getting back to looking around, so I had a, obviously I had a budget that I was trying to work through. So and those couple of cars really were a bit outside of that. So sticking to my budget, the four five six worked, the Mondials worked. There was a number of other cars that that sort of worked three sixties would have worked three five five, the standard three four eight, the older ones, the three oh eight through to the three two eight. But none of them were quite resonating still. You know this whole idea of you know. How do I make this connection between the racing heritage of a Ferrari and purchasing a road car? I'd started to get really quite excited about the Challenge Stradale, the 360. A few more um, dollars. Again, couldn't quite reach it at that point in time. And that's when I stumbled accidentally across this 348 GTC and I'd never heard of it. And I went, well, what is this thing? I kept doing a little bit more research. There's a wonderful little thread on Club Scuderia that's well worth those that are listening that want to know a little bit more about the 348 GT Competizione. Have a look at that thread. It's a, it's a famous in Club Scuderia circles as just being a thread that goes on and on and on and never dies. It's, it's pages and pages and pages. It'll take you two weeks to read the thing. But I actually sat down and I read every word originally in that in that. Um, in the original thread, now the back end of the thread, sort of me populating it, but back in 2007, 2008, um, I think the red thread started in 2004, something like that. So I started doing more and more and more research on this thing and I thought, well, this is a real car. And I'd never heard of it, never seen a report on it, never seen a, a an article on it. Yeah, correct. There was no, it was a soft launch, right? They, they didn't do a big hoo-ha about it like Ferrari do do when they release a new model. It just came whilst the 355 was in production. And there was no car of the 348 GTC that come to Australia? No, that's right. So there were 50 cars in in total. Um, I think uh, Keith Blumel talks about 56 or something, but that's a load of rubbish. There are only 50. Yeah, only 50. Oh, it's on the steering wheel. That's right. There's only 50. Eight right-hand drives. Well, and that's the interesting thing is is how many right-hand drive versions, how many left-hand drive versions, where were they delivered? Cars were delivered to Japan in left-hand drive version. They were delivered to Europe in left-hand drive version. There were eight right-hand drive versions that were delivered to the UK. There was one right-hand drive version delivered to the Sultan of Brunei's cousin in Singapore. I think that's car number nine, um, and you can see that on the GTC website. And then there were two, I believe, right-hand drive versions that were delivered to the Sultan of Brunei himself and sat in a, in one of his warehouses, basically not doing anything. So their delivery mileage, three for eight GTCs. And they popped up. Years later, uh, when when I originally did the research, I couldn't quite get to the bottom of how many right-hand drive versions there were. But there was, um, I think, a, a, there was a site in New Zealand or trying to sell some cars that, it, that they said were in Malaysia. I was able to look at some photos and images of the of the numbers, and I knew all of the other right-hand drive versions. And when I got to see the numbers on the steering wheel, I realised there was two more. So there is eleven in my estimation of right-hand drive versions of this and they're all higher the numbers. Like I know 40, 41, you're number 40. No, they're all over the place. I mean, as I said, the one in Singapore is number nine. I think the ones in the Sultan of Brunei's collection, I think one of them was 21 or something like that. And the other one might have been in the teens or number 11 or somewhere around there. They don't follow any rhyme or reason, which is pretty typical for Ferrari. Um, the chassis numbers don't don't really follow any you know rhyme or reason either. Again, pretty typical of Ferrari. 
So I stumbled across this thing, did my research, found out that, that they did in fact exist, even though I'd never heard of them. And this car was the one in that you've got now, was it a UK car? It was a UK car, that's right. So um, I contacted the owner. I got a, a, a PPI done by a group over in the UK. Had some interesting conversations around how we might transfer funds and the like, which is not terribly easy, obviously, when you're, when you're not there to, to do the, the deal. And the, and the owner was not, I mean, he was as cautious, I guess, as I was in, in trying to work through how do we transact this. So what I ended up doing was um, sending a guy who worked for us. I think he was thinking about going to on holidays. But anyway, we basically paid for his airfare to send him over to the UK and um, do the deal, transact it. So he he was the one that saw it first. He got the, the first sort of spin around the block This thing's it. original. This thing's real. It does Basically, exist. Basically, yeah. Because yeah. here, I mean, when you're talking over there, you're doing your research, you're trying to find out information about a car that no one knows much about. Correct. So when you had those conversations here with your local people that you knew in the front, did they, what were they saying to you at that well, time? What are you talking about, Darren? What, what is this car? What's more interesting about that, and I'll tell you a couple of stories about that, was when the car came over. So once the car came over, obviously – no one in Australia had ever heard of it either. It was never originally delivered to Australia. Uh, and I recall going to the dealer one day. I think there was an event on it. It might have been Classic Adelaide and there was a, a Ferrari display down at, at Guja Street. I think the New California had just been released and I, I dragged my son along to the showroom to have a look at the New California. And so we're having a look at the car and the guy comes up and asks me a little bit about you know what I was doing. And I, I said, look, you know, we came in here because we knew you had had the release, and there's a there's something happening down in Guja Street. And he said, "Well, how do you know? How do you know about that? Are you a member of the Ferrari Club?" And I said, "Yeah, um, I am." And he said, "So you've got a car?" And I went, "Yeah, I do." He said, "Well, what have you got?" And I said, "Well, I've got a three four eight GT Competizione." <laughs> What's that? I, 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 a what? And I said, "It's a three four eight GT. It's a very rare car. Not very many of them um, around. I only made fifty. This, I think, is probably the only one in Australia at the moment. Yeah, and Ferrari really didn't make any big deal of it when when it got released. And, you know, there's a whole lot of backstory as to why that might be the case as well. He said, well, you know, are you sure it's real? And I said, yeah, you know, absolutely. I've done my research. I, I know it's absolutely real. I think, you've, I think you've been taken for a ride, buddy. And I went, well, no, no, I haven't. This thing is legit. I don't know. I've been in this business a long time. I've never heard of it. Let me go and, and talk to the head mechanic. He used to work for Ferrari at the factory. So he rings up the, the guy from downstairs and he comes upstairs and he says, you know, what years were you in the factory? And we worked out, oh, yeah, roughly sort of a few years after the GTC probably, but, you know, it'd been there 20 years. So have you ever heard of a 348 GTC? And the mechanic looked at me and looked at, looked at the guy and he said, no. Nah. <laughs> what were you feeling right there and then? <laughs> I was just, it just reinforced everything that I already knew. How rare. About it. And As unknown. The, just Nobody knew it. He's a guy that worked the factory that never even heard of it. And when you went, when I originally went on the Ferrari.com website to register the cars, which they allow you to do when you're an owner, there was no 348 GTC. Well, there was, in fact. It came up as when I plugged in the VIN, came up, but all of the spec pages were completely blank. So there's, there's no quoted power. There's no, there's nothing, no information on it, just blank, just the name of the car. So they recognised that the car existed, but that was about it. So it's been a, an interesting journey to try and work out, well, what are these things? What was in them? 
Um, how did they get released to the market? And, and what's could, so different to the normal 348? That's right. And what's different to 348? And, and what you find out, the more and more and more you delve into it and the more you read, and, and there, are, there have been a lot more articles these days written about it and YouTube channels that are talking about it, which is interesting. But most, or if not all, get, the, get it wrong. There are lots and lots of details that are quoted on these things that mix up the models. So there, there is actually two different types of 348 GTC. There's the 50 road cars and there are 11 race cars. Race cars, yes. I've read about that too. The and there's a couple of Le Mans cars and too, I think. They're correct. That's absolutely right. So there's the 11 race cars, the two Le Mans cars and the 50 road cars. But they are So they 63, are 63 all up. If, if I'm not wrong, that Le Mans car is the last Ferrari to win Le Mans. No, not, no. The, the story in relation to the 348 GTC LM was it was the first Ferrari to re-enter Le, Le Mans, Mans. That's right. Sorry, yes. For something like 20 years or something. I think it was uh, the Daytona, um, I think the 365 GT4. That's right, isn't it? The Daytona... Um, Numbers. That last, yeah, that last drove at, at yeah. Le Mans. Yeah, that was the last one to end in Le Mans, and then the three four eight GTC LM. And so, and what happened is it ended up coming eleventh overall, I think, from memory, and fourth in class. So uh, it it quitted itself relatively well. And there was also, I think, uh, an F four thirty as well that might have been either in that race or the year after. So it, it, there's you know there's a whole lot of interesting stories about it. But what what happens with a lot of these narratives around the three four eight GTC is they mix up the specific details that Michelotto included as part of the race cars as, as part of the narrative. So there's a, when you read it, you t- there's discussions around F40 half shafts and there's a whole lot of stuff that's talked about in there. Well, it's all a load of rubbish. There are some specific changes in the GDC, but it's not necessarily all the things that is often talked about in the narratives when they're getting sold or when they're on the YouTube or in articles or whatever. So I think even the the one, the DK Engineering car, car 41, even the description in that had some falsehoods, really falsehoods. I don't think they, they did, they're doing anything on purpose. It's just that, you know, the details around the car are just so sketchy. Well, there's no falsehoods in that it's carbon carbon Kevlar. That's, there, there that's are, definitely in the car. There are definitely carbon Kevlar components of the car. Right? Absolutely. It, it's got uh, F40 seats. It's got F40 that, seats. Right? That's right. Delivered, there's no uh, complaining there. It's that's got right. F40 brakes. No. Right. As see? far as I know, and this is one I, I really I have struggled with a little bit to find out exactly what the story is with the brakes. My understanding is that the road cars themselves, it's much closer to standard 348 brakes than it is F40 brakes. But I still, I haven't even been able to get to the bottom of that. Yeah, I heard it's, it's got a component what they used in the F40 brake pad, although the F40 is a quicker car and higher revving and things like that. But it's got components they used in the development of the F40 brake. Yeah, that's what I've understood when I try and not not being able to verify yeah. any of that. And okay. the conversations I've had with my mechanic um, and other mechanics that have looked at the car have not identified that that it's particularly different from other say three four eights or the three five five, for example. So you know exactly what the differences are. I haven't been able, if there are any, I haven't been able to get to the bottom of that. And Darren, just going back a few steps of when the car arrived to Adelaide, that was the first vehicle you've bought overseas? Yes, it was. Okay, Um, so for our listeners, because we've talked about this before, in terms of, you know, you did a PPI from someone you knew knew over there, you got your bloke to go over and have a look at it while he's on holidays and all. When it arrived here, was it what you were expecting? 
Was it, uh, you know, like they talk about the English cars and rust and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So that particular car, because I've got stories about other cars, as you know. As are you uh, about to live your boyhood dream now? That's right. This is your first Ferrari that's, that's right. arrived. That's right. So this this car, fortunately, there were no issues whatsoever with it. And, you know, the beauty of, of a 348 is it's relatively simple too. So th- there wasn't any complications in relation to where there might be rust that wasn't found or identified. So it was all pretty much as PPI suggested it was. You know, as you allude to, I mean, I just I couldn't have been more excited. It was like I mean, Christmas Day. When I was a kid, you know, I, my hands used to shake just to open up presents. So, and it was almost the same. It was just just amazing. And we are talking about a car that's a classic. It's got no power steering. It's got no a gated sh- shifter. No air conditioning or it has air no conditioning? No air conditioning. No, it did have air conditioning. There was, um, there's obviously lots of narratives that say that they didn't come with air conditioning. Make them lighter, yeah. Yeah, my understanding is that most of them did come with air conditioning. Again, it's this mix-up between the road cars and the race cars. So my car absolutely did come with air conditioning. My understanding was that the road cars from factory had one option and one option only, and that was a delete tick the box on the radio. Okay, and that was it. That's it. So as far as I know, all of the road cars had air conditioning. And one other option, well, there was no option, only red. That's correct. Only red. Only, only red. Only one colour, one interior colour. One yeah. external colour, one interior colour. And the radio, you don't see it anyway because it's under a flap. That's it. And, but but there is that was the, the one and only option that you could have on the car was, and it was a delete option. So that came with the radio if you didn't delete it. Okay, so. so since purchasing it, I mean, what are some of the things that you've done and you've really enjoyed with it? I mean, I know of a couple of things that we did together. Yeah. Um, but if you can just tell us some of the earlier stuff that you did. So, I mean, and this goes back to the whole purchasing decision and why would I purchase a 348 GTC? So it was always my intention to put it on a racetrack. And, you know, the, the, this connection to the heritage and the history of racing was way too strong for me, which is why I ended up going down that pathway instead of buying a 456 or, or, or a Mondial for that for that matter. So that was the most important thing. It was almost the first thing I did with it. Um, we had a, a Ferrari rally here in Adelaide in 2009. Uh, was it 2010? It was 2010 because I just missed out on that because my go. car got delivered once the cars came back from Adelaide. There you go. So 2009, I must have just missed the rally um, wherever that was at the time, I can't remember which state, but I, I was hanging out, you know, the whole year to get it into the rally and, and, and track it during the rally. I obviously had a, a few days on track prior to that. I was very thankful for Dean Canto being in my car and showing me how to drive the thing around the, the racetrack, which was really good because that helped helped me be a little bit quicker in it which was great basically showing me the, the lines and where to brake and how to brake too because you know, having never driven a, a mid-engine car before you know there are some there are some little tricks and and malala you drove on malala the track that you practiced on now that would really suit the 348 gtc wouldn't it it did i mean i've, I've had a couple of outstanding um track days in the 348 gtc that the the first one in 2010 was was really good. The best thing about it was that when everyone saw that there was a three four eight entered, they um, put me in with the three two eights, the three oh eights. You know, didn't let me go with any of the quicker cars. And of course, you only get six laps when we're doing the the, the sprints. And of course, by lap four, I'd passed three or four of them. And by the time I finished, I'd passed all of them. And I, I remember going to the organisers and saying, 
who, who we know, guys, this is actually not working for me. I mean, I'm literally being held up. Um, my times were, I think there were about 40 cars there. My times were, at that point, sort of top 10. And so they did they did the right thing after lunch, I think. They put me in a, you know. Upper category? Put me in a category that was, I was with some quicker cars. Might have put me up a couple of categories. And I ended up with the sixth fastest time of the day uh, out of 40 cars. And most of those, obviously, were far newer than the than the GTC. It was a shock for everybody. Everyone's sort of going, you know. Well, I was hell. just going to say, were people just going, what is this thing? It's- well, I, I, I think people were giving me way too much credit, I seem to recall. You know, who is this guy? He's a professional race car driver. And of course I'm not. It, it, it's just that the car was, you know, it really was. So that was back really in two, special. That was back in 2010, Darren. So just to tell the listeners, 2010, what other Ferraris were on the so track the, of the newer cars? Yeah, so the car that got the fastest time of the day um, was a 430 Scuderia. Uh, there was a couple of – there was a 360 Challenge as well that I think was second or third fastest. 2010, 458 Italias are out. Uh, there wasn't a 458 Italia at the rally from memory. Don't forget, you're uh, saying. Track. Or 2010, saying they got released. There, there was there was in 2011. There was a, a 458 in the rally in 2011, but right. not in 2010. So whether or not it was delivery times or just the people at the rally didn't feel like tracking a 458. Yeah, in saying that though, don't forget that you know when it's released at 2010, you know Australia is not on first off the yeah, rank. The, yeah, no, true, but the first delivery started. So in that era, so you you've got the Scuderia there, the, the Scuderia. 430 Scud. Yeah. You got the Challenge Stradale, and everyone thinks that that was the first real race version of the road car was a Challenge Stradale, but it's not true. No, this, that's right. This 348 yeah. is the very first, even before the 355 Challenge, that, you know, really wasn't really made. 360 was the first one to, that people recognised as the race one, but this is the very first V8 lighter uh, mid-engine V8 race car. Track car. Yeah, and on the track that day, there wasn't actually a Challenge Stradale on the track. It was actually a Challenge car. It was a race car. GT. Um, that was on the was on the track. Wow. Um, 599, GDP was there as well. So getting in the top 10 and with uh, that. 12. Top, top yeah. six. So top that, six in the end. Yeah, yeah. So it was quite quite exciting. And as, and as you say, it was quite shocking, I think, for the people that were there. So you'd done nothing to – this car's arrived. You got it, obviously, over Regency. You got it all you know, spec'd up for Adelaide. And you've done nothing to the car. You didn't work on the engine. You've done nothing. This is stock standard. So the car is it wasn't stop, stock standard when I got it. So there were two modifications that were made in the UK. These cars were very successful in the UK in the Pirelli uh, Ferrari Club Challenge Series. They they won it a couple of years over there. There's a whole there's a whole lot of rules around they handicap the cars. So it, it did quite well under the handicap. But there was two minor modifications that were made to the car. One was front brake calipers uh, were Alcon rather than uh, Ferrari brake calipers, and it had a um, a tube exhaust. So those those are the only two modifications that the car ran with. I then did to prepare it for the track. I put it put some special brake pads on and tires. Yeah, so it ran a set of semi slick tires. So and so you got the uh, the original exhaust. Got the original exhaust. Yeah, yeah. no, no, I do have that. Yep, I don't have the original um, brake calipers, but I do have the original exhaust. So it can it could almost it can be taken back to just about stock standard. Okay, and Darren. Oh, I, the- sorry, I did do a couple of other things. I um I forgot this as part of importing the car back then. I'm, I'm not sure whether or not the rules are different now. I think they are from memory. You had to replace the catalytic converters. 
um, before it's allowed compliance in, in Australia. The other weird thing in the rules at the time, which I think has also changed, is you had to change all the tyres on the car. So it had to have brand new tyres to get compliance. Dirt and things like that, obviously, yeah. that sort of stuff. So what I did was rather than replace the catalytic converters with Ferrari catalytic converters, I put a set of hyperflows, which um, just freed it up just that little tiny bit more. So I think I probably squeezed a couple more horsepower out of it than By doing that, that yeah, and that came in handy did. on the track. And it Darren, did, yeah. on the on the track, they do talk about in some of the YouTube videos and some of the literature that the three four eight generally is a little bit twitchy on the back end, you know, because of the uh, heavy end. The so is the three four eight GTC any different in that regard? Well, is it set up differently? It it has been set up differently. The the apparently the um, suspension pickup points at the back of the car are much more similar to the 355 than they are to the original 348. And the, the track is a little bit wider as well. Uh, so there's a number of changes that were made during the 348 series. So the later cars, the GDB, GDSs and Spiders had slightly wider tracks. There's there, there were significant changes made just to the standard car during that period of time. And I think they made an enormous difference to the handling characteristics of just the standard car, let alone the GDC. But then, you know, there was a little tiny bit more again done, a few more little tweaks to the GTC, um, and then, you know, some bigger bigger tyres and bigger wheels as well. So it does make a difference. It's, you know, we can talk about the difference between the 360 and the 348 on a track, but the, um, the GTC is a much friendlier car on the track than what the 360 is. Yeah, I was. I had the pleasure of actually driving your GTC in Melbourne when we did yeah. the track day. Yeah. And I, I do recall, it was only for a short, short trip from the um, tyre shop back to the track, I think it was, from yeah. memory. Yeah. I do recall that I was pleasantly surprised that the steering wasn't as heavy as I thought it might be. And certainly you're sitting in the vehicle with racing seats. I mean, they were nice, firm you know, they were a racing seat. It wasn't a, you right. know, a, and I remember you cursing all the way from Melbourne, from Adelaide to Melbourne about how hard the seats was, and you know, but you sorted that out with a bit of foam. Yeah, no, we made a couple of little modifications to, to make the trip a little bit better. But, I mean, you know, talk about racetracks that suit the GTC, Winton. Winton uh, did suit it, yeah. I mean, you know, if you remember, there, I think there was 50 cars that day and um, I had the fourth fastest qualifying Until? time. Until? Until I shredded a tyre on the second lap. Um, that, and uh, ball that of I, dust. Still, still ended up, I think, with the eighth or ninth yeah. fastest time of the day, even though I only did two laps, which is hilarious, really, when you think about it. Which, again, sort of demonstrates just how good... Of driver you are. No, not how, <laughs> how good, good a driver I am, how good the car is. That's right. It was, it was a sensational car. There's so much more to talk about on this. Darren, will you come back and talk to us? Yeah, you know, be more than happy we, to. We, we want you to come back because I want to hear the 360 on the track versus the 348. I've got a 360. We're going to take it to the track this weekend. I'm looking forward to that. Darren, thanks for coming in. It's been an unbelievable episode. I'm so excited to be able to speak to you about such a rare car. Much, much appreciated, Darren. And we do look forward to the next episode with you. And it's not only the 360. We also, he has been an owner of a 456 GT. So plenty to talk about in the next episode. Thank you, Ori. Thank you, Darren. We'll leave it there. You can reach the show, as always, via email, mickandori at gmail.com. And remember, if your car's not a classic, it will be one day. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.